Welcome to Success Genius, the only podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs who are serious about transforming their productivity game. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach and Yogi Neil Williams, and I believe that true productivity doesn't come from more hours in the office, but from the mindsets and habits that leverage your maximal focus and energy. On this podcast, we'll dive deep into next level habits, mindset shifts, and unique practices like Yoga Nidra. But we're steering clear of any band-aid solutions and time-wasting facts. You won't hear me talk about quick fixes, hacks, and trendy apps that promise the world and deliver nothing. Let's be real. How many planners and time management systems have you bought that are either collecting digital or literal dust? You and I both know these don't work. This show is all about the simple, everyday, high-impact practices validated by neuroscience and psychology. Because as it turns out, your body is as pivotal to your productivity as your mind. So if you want to get 40 hours of work done in 10, stick around. We've got a lot to talk about. I'm Neil Williams, and this is the Success Genius Podcast. Welcome to episode 199. Okay, today we're talking about accurate scheduling. Specifically, if you've ever wondered why some tasks seem like they take forever, while others you just get done in a flash, I'm going to help you discover the common mistakes that mess up your time estimation and how to fix them. I'm also going to help you figure out if you're constantly running behind schedule and missing deadlines, the reason for that, and the foolproof methods for accurately estimating your time so that your projects always are done and on plan. So if you've ever felt the stress of missed deadlines and overflowing to-do lists, this episode is the answer that will make that a thing of the past. Time estimation is a subject that I have been fascinated with. I think ever since I was a child, because I grew up with a mom who was chronically late. <laughs> you might have somebody in your life that's like that, or maybe that's you, right? It seemed like no matter how much time she had to get ready to get out the door, it was never enough. She was always late. It could have been 15 minutes. It could have been two hours. She was still late. And myself and everyone in my family really got annoyed <laughs> waiting for her. So I took the other route. I have been a human who's tried to be early to everything. So what is the difference between the two of us? The answer to this is how we as humans estimate time. And this has really important impacts on scheduling and time management and productivity. In fact, I really believe that our ability to correctly estimate time is one of the things that impacts our overall productivity and performance. So Let's dive into the first question, which is if you've ever wondered why some tasks seem to take forever while others you get done in a flash, what is the reason to that? Okay. And what are the common mistakes that mess up your time estimation and how do you fix them? Okay. So the very short answer is something that I started talking about last week on last week's episode where we were talking about your most productive state. Okay. So the answer to why some tasks seem to take forever while others are done in a flash is our perception of the passage of time. And our perception of the passage of time is determined or governed by the levels of dopamine or the amount, how motivated we are, the levels of norepinephrine, which is the amount of energy we have or the readiness to take action if we think about to last week's episode, or the level of serotonin. Now, this is a neuromodulator, a hormone that I did not talk about last week, but we will be diving more into this in the podcast and an episode coming up. But this really governs how relaxed or content we feel, okay? It turns out 
that the more dopamine and norepinephrine, meaning the more motivated and ready to take action we are, the more that's in our system, the more we overestimate how much time has passed. So what does this look like? It looks like we think a minute has passed when it's only been 30 seconds, okay? And the reverse is true. So when we have lower levels of dopamine in our system and higher levels of serotonin, the more content we are, and that tends to make us underestimate how much time has actually passed. So we think that a minute has passed, but it's really been two minutes, okay? So if we take this idea and we take it back to the story about my mom and her chronic lateness, what I think really happened for her is that she had low levels of dopamine and she was just chronically underestimating her time. And this explains a lot in terms of her overall mental and emotional health and some of the struggles that she's had in her life is the role of these neuromodulators in her system. I think she is someone who is really chronically low in dopamine levels, okay? Now, for me, I really feel like I am someone who has high levels of dopamine. So I tend to overestimate this time. And I saw this way back when I started my productivity journey 12 years ago, when my son was a little, <laughs> was feeling really overwhelmed in my job. And I wanted to figure out how do I reclaim some of my time. I would put a time block on my schedule and I would chronically, this is always happening to me, I would get things done faster than what I planned for, which seems like that would be a great problem, right? And I guess I would say I would rather have that happen than the other, that where I put a time block on my calendar and I underestimate how long it's going to take me, okay? So regardless of which way you, you fall, in which category you fall, I've had clients in both of those camps more often, I think people come to me because they want to figure out the magic bullet of how to correctly estimate their time because what they're doing is they're underestimating how long something will take them, okay? Number one thing that I want you to see here is our perception of the passage of time has a really big impact on whether we're able to execute a time block in the way that we scheduled it in our day. And again, that depends on how much dopamine is in our system and how much norepinephrine or how motivated and energized or ready to take action we are once we show up to that time block or how relaxed and content we are when we show up to that time block, okay? Now, here's what's cool. I kind of alluded to this in last week's episode, but in the first eight hours of your day, you naturally, because of the way your body rhythms work, your circadian rhythm works, you have naturally higher levels of dopamine, meaning you're naturally more motivated and more energized. So what that means is that we're better positioned to show up to hard cognitive work during that part of our day in a way that allows us to execute more accurately, okay? So this is, again, I mentioned this on last week's episode, but this is the reason why it makes sense, like that advice that you've heard of doing the hard things first thing in your day. Why that makes sense is because that's where we have the higher levels, natural levels of dopamine and norepinephrine. Our motivation and energy is higher typically in the first eight hours after we wake up, okay? So 
The first like big broad stroke is thinking about scheduling the hard stuff in the first eight hours of your day and specifically things that have rules or require linear thinking or problem solving where there is like a right answer or something where you have to like follow a process. That kind of stuff is great to schedule in the first part of your day because we're able to what's called kind of fine slice our time, meaning we're more matching up our ability to perceive time in a way that's going to be beneficial to the passage of time and the time block that we scheduled. Now, in the second half of your day, after the first eight hours, so like the hours nine through 16, what happens is, again, in a natural rhythm of your body, your dopamine and norepinephrine levels start to go down and your serotonin levels start to increase. And what that means is you're just kind of more relaxed. You're more content. This is the way that we're supposed to work. <laughs> so if you're not working this way, that's okay. I gave you tools last episode to be able to increase your levels of alertness, energy, focus, and motivation so that you can drop into your productive state more easily or facilitate a productive state more easily in the first eight hours of your day. Now, the second eight hours of our day, we are more serotoninergic. It's a very challenging word for me to say. <laughs> Meaning we're just as like, we're in that state where like we're more relaxed and it makes sense, right? For most of us, that's the time of day where we start to connect with our families or maybe not working in that part of the day or we're finishing up our work. Maybe there's more social connections that are happening, things like that. So we can also use that part of the day, actually. And in our 10-hour week program, what I encourage our students to do is for one part of creativity that they set aside time in the second part of their day for that part. So what that is, is brainstorming new ideas. Okay. So because there's not linear problem solving, right answer kinds of things happening with that brainstorming ideas process. Okay. So you're better positioned with more serotonin in your system in the later part of the day to take advantage of that part of the creative process, that brainstorming idea generation part of the process. So first thing to understand is we need to see how our levels of motivation and energy impact our perception of the passage of time. Because if we are in a serotonin, more, more serotonin in our state, we're going to be chronically underestimating the passage of time, which means the time that we scheduled is probably not going to be accurate. We're not going to be able to execute, I guess I would say, in the way that we scheduled our time to get something done. Okay, so that should be first and interesting. Like there is nothing wrong with you if this happens for you. It's just a matter of, okay, now that I know this is the reason why, how do I fix it? How do I go about more accurately matching the time block that I have and the thing that I want to get done in that time block with my state? And the better you get at matching those up, the more productive you'll be, the more accurate you'll be able to schedule your time and execute on that schedule. Now, this isn't the only part. This is like part one. Your perception of time depends on dopamine, norepinephrine, and serotonin, and which is higher in your system. Okay, the second part to this, which is not just how much of these neuromodulators are in your system, but accurately scheduling your time 
depends on how hard the work is for you, okay? So I don't think most of us think about this. I know for sure I didn't. And this is just something that came to me earlier this year as I was trying to figure out, okay, how do I get back to a 10-hour schedule to run my business? Because I really don't have the energy and the alertness and the motivation and the focus and all of that to do much beyond that, actually. So in our 10-hour week program, I came up with a tool we call it the effort scale. And what we do is we have the students track the level of effort that is required for them to do a task or a project. And they use that to get their own time estimation error rate. Okay, now that's a made up thing. Don't Google that. (laughs) That's just a Neil made up term. And what's cool about that is once you have that, then you know how to accurately schedule your time. Okay, but it takes a little bit of experimentation. I'm gonna give you like a rule of thumb that you can start with here. Now, this is so cool because this time estimation error rate is not static. It's actually dynamic. And the reason why is because as you practice something, guess what happens? You get better at it. It becomes easier for you. And that's why you're able to get it done faster, right? So if I think about this, and I think about way back to like when I first started building the skill of building offers and creating programs. It took me a really long time to do that. A long time. I didn't even know like the first, I didn't even know what I didn't know, right? And that's usually how it goes with a new skill or practice that we're trying to get really good at. And so if I would have said, all right, I'm gonna put two hours on my schedule to create a new program offer, there is no way that I would have been able to execute that. Even if I had the optimum levels of dopamine and norepinephrine in my system, meaning I was motivated and energized, I still wouldn't have been able to execute on that time block. I just didn't have the skill to be able to implement it in that amount of time. So this is what's really cool is understanding the role of effort versus flow and how it plays into your accuracy in scheduling. Okay, so this is part two of accurate scheduling. Number one is understanding how you perceive time and matching that up with the way that you schedule your time, but then also how hard something is for you and how do you accurately schedule based on, because this is a little bit subjective, right? Based on how good you are at that thing. So incidentally, I'm just going to mention this here in this episode, and maybe I'll do a more full-length episode on this. There's a difference between effort and flow. And I think so many of us want to get into that flow state where we're just like everything is being knocked out, right? That is what I was able to get into when I was creating the 10 hour a week program. But the reason why I was able to get into that flow state and create that program and that offer very quickly, including the webinar and the emails to promote it and all of that, is because I had practiced those skills a lot. So much so that I'm not a beginner in them anymore. I would say it was, I'm more like intermediate and moving towards mastery. I don't think I'm at mastery yet, but I definitely am more towards the intermediate. So it was so much easier for me to create those things. Okay. So if you want to get into flow, you first have to go through deliberate practice and a lot of effort in order to get to the place where you can access a flow state for something. 
Okay, it actually takes a lot of hard work to be able to get into a flow state for a new skill or something that you really want to be good at. So with the effort skill, what that does is it gives you a tool to subjectively measure how hard is this thing for me? Is it like super easy where it's just like I've mastered it, which there are some skills now that I have that I feel like I've pretty much mastered or I'm, I'm at a high level of proficiency in that I wasn't a few years ago, right? I would have had to have so much more time on my schedule for those things a few years ago than I do now. So really you need to understand and take like a self inventory of how good you are at that task or project. Now, a great way to start might be if a task or project is really hard for you, you're kind of like at a beginner level in your skill of it, you might double, at least double the amount of time that you give yourself to get it done. That's going to give you a more accurate representation, a more accurate way to schedule your time blocks for it. It's a good starting place, but again, you're going to have to experiment with it. And also, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, these are episodes that I did long ago. When you take a bigger task or project and you break it down into the micro steps, it gives you a more refined time estimation and scheduling procedure. Okay. So for example, my podcast production plan is basically I decide on a topic. If I just said record podcast on my schedule and I put it in for like two hours, it's not going to happen in that way. Because there's so many steps involved with it, right? So I first have to decide a topic, which I just have a list of topics in Good Notes that I refer to. And then I am going to do some research on that topic. If it's not something that I feel like I have enough level of expertise to really talk about it in a intelligent and helpful and effective way. Then after I have the research and I kind of have the idea of what I'm going to talk about on that show, I'm going to have to come up with a title. And then what I do is I outline the episodes. I have a very specific outline that I use that I go through for every single episode. Then I'm going to want to write the intro and the hooks. So you might have noticed with the podcast, I set it up. I give you basically two to three topics that I'm going to be covering and a hook to try and get you to listen to the entire episode. That's my intro and hooks. I also then write an outro and hook, meaning I'll talk about okay, this episode is great, but guess what's coming next week? Here's why you want to come back next week and listen, right? So I'm going to have to do that part. Then I go and record it. And sometimes I record two to three times. Like last week's episode, I mentioned on it how the day that I had set aside to record, I just was having a really tough day. I had horrible sleep, really low energy. Things just weren't working. And so I recorded twice, hated them both, and then recorded the next day, the episode that you listened to that I thought was good. So I would record it. And then after that, I send it to my podcast editor. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight steps that I take in order to produce a podcast. Okay. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be thinking about my skill level for each of these micro steps and I'm going to assign a time bake based on that. So for instance, the topic that's usually pretty easy for me, I can come up with a list of topics in five minutes if I needed to. Okay. I would maybe give myself five minutes to come up with a topic. And I would feel because my skill level is very high in that, I would feel like I can definitely execute on that. I don't need to add more time to it. I don't feel like I have not estimated my time correctly for that specific step. But in the research phase, I'm still refining my skill here. I'm still figuring out how do I find the scholarly articles? 
How do I find the books? What are the books that are going to make the most sense? How do I package these all together into tools and resources and things that you all can use and actually make a difference in your lives for it, right? So that I'm not great at that yet. I'm putting myself at a beginner level for that. So if I think I want to give myself two hours, for instance, to get the research done, I would probably actually give myself four hours to do it. So I'm really increasing the amount of time because I don't feel like I have a good sense because my skill level is so new and beginner that I know that I'm not going to be able to execute it as quickly as what I think I can. Okay. So the answer to how to accurately schedule your time is twofold. Match your level of motivation and energy and alertness to the time block in a way that makes sense. And number two, understand your own skill level and how this translates to the correct estimation of time. When you master these two pieces, you will at least 80% of the time accurately schedule your time and get what you planned done. You won't have that situation where you were like, all right, I'm going to do this whole podcast in one hour and you don't aren't able to execute on it. It won't happen. Now, what you might learn when you do this is that you're actually needing a lot more time than what you originally thought. And that can sometimes be disappointing. And I totally get it. But I want you to remember that this is just for now. As you practice this thing, of course, you're going to get better and your skill is going to refine. You're going to get more masterful. And then you're able to shave off time in order to get those things done because you become better at them. So of course you can do them faster, okay? So I hope this episode was helpful for you to understand there's actually a lot of complexity when it comes to accurately scheduling your time. Number one, it has to do with what your state is and how your state is impacting your time perception, meaning your estimation of the passage of time, because that's what's important when we show up to a time block. And number two is before you even get to a time block, and executing on it is how did you schedule it? Did you take into consideration your skill level in those things? And do you have an accurate time error estimation? Meaning is your estimation, time error estimation coefficient, if I was going into my nerdy actuary world, this would be like the error rate. Is it two? Is it 2.5? Is it three? You're going to have to play around to figure that out, but a good starting place is to double the amount of time you think it will take you if you're very beginner in a skill level. Okay, so I hope this is important. Go practice those and see if you can't get to the point where you can at least 80% of the time accurately schedule your time just based on these two fundamental principles about scheduling. So now you have the two secret ingredients for accurate scheduling. Next week, you won't want to miss our eye-opening conversation with Kelly, my director of operations. If you've ever wondered how making productivity your one thing could lead to a lucrative side hustle, Kelly's going to spill all her secrets. And we will answer the question that we get asked the most, which is how do you get so much done in so little time? I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Success Genius. I truly hope you found the content valuable and inspiring. My mission with Success Genius is to provide you, the ambitious entrepreneur, with the tools, strategies, and mindsets necessary for achieving success in a healthy and sustainable way. 
and dedicated to helping you balance your entrepreneurial aspirations with a vibrant and fulfilling life and lifestyle. If you found value in today's episode, here's how you can support this mission. Subscribe to Success Genius. By subscribing, you'll have all of our latest episodes and insights right at your fingertips. Leave us a rating and review. Your feedback is invaluable to us. It helps us improve and it helps fellow entrepreneurs find our show. Let's grow this community of success geniuses together and share the episode with a friend, colleague, or loved one. If you think today's episode could help someone you know, please don't hesitate to share it. The ripple effect of knowledge can have a powerful impact. As we conclude this episode, remember that as entrepreneurs, we're all on this journey together. Supporting each other's growth and well-being is one of the most significant ways we can achieve greatness. I know how very valuable your time and attention is, so I want to thank you for spending some of it today with me and this show. Together, we can spread the message of healthy success to our kids, our friends, our neighbors, and our community. Thank you for being a part of this. I couldn't do it without you.